There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. We certainly want to welcome each and every one of you, those of you who may be listening for the first time. We hope the podcast is a help. We hope it's a blessing to you. Under the last couple of days, we've had a couple of folks reach out to us. And uh, one person asked a particular question. He and I got to fellowship on the phone, got to discuss some things on the podcast. Iron sharpeneth iron. We thank the Lord for that. Doesn't always work that way. Now, there's some folks that don't want their iron sharpened. They'd rather just deny the word of God and uh, go ahead and live after a myth that doesn't exist, live after a pipe dream that doesn't exist. And that's in a little ethereal world of perfection where everybody just runs around in the perfect little outfits and their perfect little ideals. And they cross all their T's the same way, dot their I's the same way. They make the accusation against the brethren. And my friend, I don't want to live in that mess. I don't want to live in that life. I want to be able to believe the word of God. I want that, that liberty to believe what God said. And so we're thankful for those of you that contact us, thankful for those of you that question, those of you that challenge, those of you that are very interested in the things of God, the word of God. What a blessing that is. We're looking forward to the meeting. We're starting on Sunday. We'll be there at Sunday school and the morning, then in the, in the afternoon service right after a noon meal. Uh, there at the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church that's in Stockton Springs, Maine. And we're looking forward to the folks there, looking forward to the meeting, and we'll head out of there on Thursday, Lord willing, head down towards North Carolina, be in Oxford, North Carolina for four days. And so i uh, got a busy time coming up, six straight weeks of preaching. Four of those weeks are on the road, so we just ask for prayer, ask that you would pray for the McVeigh family, give us strength, and then give us the messages God would have. We're in Matthew chapter 7 again. And we're looking at verse 21, and I don't know how far I'll get with this, but one of those great messages, and I've honored a man on this podcast many, many times by the name of Brother Sammy Allen. He's one just a great man of God. He was a great preacher. He was a help to me. And those that knew him, everybody said the same thing. They felt like he was a friend to them. And that's something very unique. That's a unique quality that every person you meet would feel that the same person is their best friend. doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, whether you're a preacher, you're a lay person, uh, whether you're a person on the streets, they all felt that he was their friend. And one of the reasons for that is because he loved people. He genuinely cared about the interests of people. You never doubted that that man cared about you. And so as I honor him by saying that, I, I want to point out that the message he preached more than any other message I heard. Now, I was with him probably, I don't want to say 50, 60 services over the years. That pales in comparison to some. But I had many, many nights with Brother Sammy Allen over in Philadelphia, down in Columbia, South Carolina. The times I was at the camp, times I got to preach at his church. Uh, he and I got to preach together numerous times in numerous places. I remember the time we were in North Carolina together. And uh, Brother David Vernon and his son and, and Brother Zach and Brother Sammy and a few of us had gone out to eat. and went out to a barbecue restaurant and just some of the hilarity, some of the stories and the laughter and the joy. And uh, those were good days. And I thank God for that. And I sit here reminiscing. But Brother Allen would preach on those nights. And many of those nights would bring great joy to my heart. 
And I'm reading this passage of scripture, it reminds me of those things when he says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, it's not whether you call him Lord with your lips, that's what he's saying, but if you can call him Lord by the Holy Ghost, then you indeed know that you've been born of God. And for a lot of folks will say that with their mouth, and they'll say it with their lips. And Brother Samuel would preach that great message, religious hail, religious hail. Folks that say they know the Lord, folks say they've been born of God, folks that often without even a testimony, uh, they just kind of morph into Christianity, they morph into religion, and they've never been born of God. They've never experienced the new birth. And what a tragedy that is. What a tragedy it'll be in that day of the Lord when they say, Lord, Lord. And he said, they'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And in the word of God said in verse 22, many will say to me in that day. Now in church the other week, somebody asked there in the church of Manassas Community Baptist Church, the pastor asked what the word few meant. And there were several opinions and thoughts. And finally, one young lady spoke up and said, it means eight. And Kiva uh, kind of tittered and giggled, I guess. And then he quizzically looked and she said, well, the Bible says that few souls, eight, that is, were saved by water, the days of Noah, and therefore defined what few is. Eight is few. What is few? Comparison of the number. And when he says here that many, I would say it's the opposite of few. If eight are saved by water, how many died in the flood? Many died in the flood. And that's going to be that day of the Lord. That's what it's going to be. It is going to be many. Many is not a majority. Many is not 51%. Many is the absolute majority. Many is most in the sense of context here. For he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? I had an interesting discussion the other day with a couple of men, and uh, we were sitting down. Of course, they're not Baptists. They're not King James Bible believers, but they're very religious. And uh, over many discussions, and we had discussions about drinking wine and, and bibing and booze and the wearing of clothing and, you know, what, what a church should stop, what a church should not stop. And I just listened for the most part. And finally, I had opportunity to speak. And when I spake, I used scripture. And that was almost astonishing that someone actually used the scripture, not, not out of context, but in the context of it. And he was able to expound on a few things and began to discuss with these men. And one of the things I spoke of is that new birth. And I remember years ago, having a discussion with a man who would call himself Baptist, and he had no concept of the new birth. He had no concept of the new man. In fact, he said to me, he said, well, we're all the sons of God. And he said, only God knows which of us will go to heaven. And uh, what a terrible plight to live in that condition. What a terrible way to live in that place where you don't know for sure. And that's what these men the other day had the discussion about. They just didn't know you could know. And they said, you know, back in the day when we came up in church, they came up in Pentecostal church, and if you smoke cigarettes, you're not saved. And if you, and if you drink booze, you'll lose your salvation. And if you go out fornicate, you'll do, and they were just kind of wrestling with these things. Now as adults looking back and you know, what does God require of us? What does God want to do? How can we keep our salvation? Will this be a sin that will cause me to lose my salvation? And it opened a fervent door for me to speak of the things of God and the word of God. And yet how many people are in that place? I would say to you, many are in that place. I mean, most of the world's dying and going to hell. But he's talking about religious people that say, Lord, Lord. These are religious people that believe the God of the Bible. They may not believe he's the person of Jesus Christ because they deny Christ. They may not believe in the ministry of the Holy Ghost, but they believe in the God of the King James Bible. They believe in the Old Testament God. They even believe in Jehovah. I'm talking about the words, the terminology. 
But who is it that has salvation? Who has been born of God? He that believeth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Why? Because that's what salvation is. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's nothing else. And so when John stated, John, 1 John 5, that is, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, everyone that loveth him, loveth him also that is begotten of him. And therefore, we know we've been born of God. We know we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. And that's the evidence of salvation. So they say they believe in Jehovah God. They say they believe the God of the Bible. They say that, oh, yes, we believe Jesus Christ is God. But do they believe that in their heart? Why? Because many are going to come and say, Lord, Lord, they're speaking to Jesus Christ. And they're saying, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? What name is that? Well, Old Testament, you say it's the name of Jehovah God. New Testament's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're prophesying in his name. They're speaking in his name. There are many women of, of Methodist uh, days and Pentecostal days and still today that are preaching. They're out there preaching the gospel. Sometimes they'll carry King James Bible and they'll preach the gospel and they'll preach a message. And there are folks who say, oh my, you know, what a great preacher. And I'm not sure, you know, who all's listening to this, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I'd want to be a female preacher that was out there prophesying and preaching to the masses and have to, have to stand before God, being out of the will of God and disobedient to the word of God and calling myself a preacher. I don't think I'd want to be that lady in that great day of judgment. And there's folks who say, well, that's, that's, uh, that's legalistic. No, that's Bible. And the Word of God is very clear about that. But yet there are many of those and many that have women pastors and women exhorters. And some will say, well, I'm not in the position of authority. Well, that's because they have Bible conferences that thousands of people come to and they're multimillionaires. And their husband wouldn't dare take authority over them. If he did take authority over them, they'd lose all that money. And so he's just a little squiggly little wimp that worms his way around while his wife runs the show because he's not man enough to stand up to her. And that's the day in which we live in. That's the offense of what the gospel is to people today. They get all bent out of shape about those things, but many are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he said, they'll say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name, have we not cast out devils? And that's what they're doing today. They're casting out devils. They're trying to give people deliverance. They have deliverance conferences, deliverance summits. And by the way, a lot of these so-called independent Baptists have gone to deliverance ministries. Why? Because that's where the money is. Let's just call a spade a spade. The money is in deliverance. The money is in healing. You go to a healing conference at a hotel, there might be 75 people there. But the idea is everybody here gives $100, there'll be blessings beyond measure. And a man can make $7,500 in one night having a healing conference. He doesn't even have to be a big name. He can stand there with his long hair and his little Weasley sunglasses, his little sissified goatee. And I just say his little sissified goatee, uh, not quite a man, not quite a boy, somewhere in between. And he's going to sit there and he's going to pray, say he's healing people and touching people. And what's going to happen? They're going to bring money in. It's a moneymaker. He's a fraud. He's a phony. He's a liar. And the sad thing is it's not just him. It's the people that follow him. Because rather than seeking Jesus Christ, they're seeking a healing that God does not offer. It's the healing of man. They're seeking a healing that's never been scripturalized. They're, yes, Jesus Christ healed men on this earth. Yes, the apostles healed. They can lay hands on men and heal, but that gift has long since ceased. Where is healing today? It's in the church. And if you come and you're part of that church and the saints of God will pray over you, anointed with oil, if you've committed sins, they'll be forgiven you. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And that's deliverance from that sickness. That's what the word of God said. Why are they sick? They've taken the cup of the Lord unworthily. He tells you that. That's the context. 
You've gone and you've gone down, not considered the Lord's table anything, and you just partake in it flippantly with sin in your life, or maybe you're a lost person. And I think really the Christian with the sin in his life is probably in more danger than the lost person that's taking it ignorantly. And you'll go down there and take that cup and take that bread and you eat and drink. He said, damnation to yourself. Well, that's pretty stout. That's pretty strong wording, but yet it's God's wording. And therefore they call for the elders of the church. Why? If it would please the Lord to heal them by laying on of hands of the church. Because they're sick. They have a sickness unto death. And sickness is not this little bursitis and a little bit of arthritis and my inner eardrum swells up and my eyebrows get ingrown hairs and I got zits on my back. No. A sickness is that idea that you're going to die. And yet they're calling, Lord, Lord, we did all these wonderful things. Look what we did. We prophesied. We cast out devils in thy name. And you know what he's going to say to them? He said, in thy name done many wonderful works. What wonderful works? They fed the the poor, they've clothed the poor, they've done all the social graces. And then when I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He tells you they're workers of iniquity. They've never believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. And my friend, if you're listening to this podcast today, you've never believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You're in the same boat. You listen to the podcast. You, most of you go to church. Most of you hold a Bible in your hands. And yet you're under the wrath of God. You're condemned already. Already God's wrath is upon you. You just don't know it. And that's a severity of, of not believing the gospel. We're condemned already. And yet folks think, well, I got a little bit more time. I got a little bit. God's not going to damn me. Uh, he'll save me. He's not going to send his son knowing I'm lost. But yet there's no fervency. There's no urgency about it. And therefore he will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And then he says in verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. There's the example he gives us. That man builds his house upon a rock. When the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That person of Jesus Christ, that unmovable, inanimate object, <laughs> which is Jesus Christ. You say he's inanimate? He's the Son of God. He never changes. And therefore, he never changes. He's no variable, no turning with him. He's always the same. And my friend, that's the rock that you build on. And again, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. You listen to the podcast, you go to church, you listen to preaching around the word of God, but you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God in your heart. You're a fool. You're trusting your own eternal destiny. You're trusting your own eternal soul. One of the great debates, and I'll probably talk about this more in later podcasts, but we're embroiled in right now, so with the faith of Jesus Christ. And I realize there's several avenues of thought, but let's just take what the Bible says. We're justified by faith of Christ. It's that simple. It's not us, it's his work. And I wasn't seeking God. God was seeking me. Yet he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I sought him the best I could, but I couldn't find him. You know why? I was searching after my man, or I was searching after my ideals. I was searching after my ways, not his ways. When I took a hold of the word of God, I began to read this King James Bible and began to try to apply it to my heart. I realized how far short I was of the glory of God. And I came under repentance probably within about a year and a half of reading this Bible. We've heard testimonies this week. Uh, folks that said within eight months, 12 months, 17 months of actually reading the Word of God, actually sitting down and spending time with God, they were gloriously saved. Why? Because the entrance of thy Word giveth light. And God awakens them to their plight in the Word of God. That's why men avoid the Word of God. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. 
and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Why? Why was it great? Because they were a fool. They had the word of God. They had the truth of scripture. They had everything that everybody else had. What didn't they have? They didn't have faith. They didn't believe God. They would not believe God. My ways must be okay. I'm safe. I'm secure. Everything I'm doing so far seemed to work out okay. I'm going to take a little bit of time here and just tell a quick illustration. I'm not the most handy man around, but I can read a diagram and we have about a 1987 to 1989 refrigerator side by side. Still works fine. No problems. We've put a little bit of money into it over the years. Not much. And uh, uh, recently the door sprung the hinge and something broke inside of it and the door was falling. We couldn't get the shut right. And, and so I had to go on, finally read the diagram, was able to find some place way out there, obscurity on the internet. They sold the part that I thought I needed. I took that part. I prayed when I ordered it. I put it on the refrigerator, and my friend, our door is like new. It's self-closing again. It hinges correctly. We didn't realize how shot the door was until we put a new hinge on it. All of a sudden, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It made our refrigerator like new again. Now, I could say, you know, the Lord did that for me because I'm his child. But do you realize that if some fool, uh, some, uh, some person that denies God, an atheist, a denier of God, a hater of God, if they had have ordered that hinge, and put that hinge on their refrigerator in the manner of which I did, that their door also would have been fixed, I'd be foolish to attribute that to knowing God. And yet day after day, people attribute those type of works and those type of things. God certainly must be blessing me. God certainly must be doing for me. I equate back to a couple of podcasts ago when I spoke of that man that did everything the doctors told him to do. Everything, every chemo treatment, every radiation treatment, every surgery, every follow-up, every vitamin infusion. And they kept testifying about the, the miracle that God had done in his life. And, and, you know, God may have extended his life. I don't want to discredit that. But he did everything the doctors told him to do, and then he died. And you, at that point, you say, well, where's the miracle? Did God do a miracle? He well may have, but God has done that for the just and the unjust. God's merciful. God do that for a lost person just like he would a saved person. Don't equate those things with your walk with God. Don't equate those things to spiritual things. That's why so many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, look what I did. Look what I'm doing. They're going to equate these things, and they're going to receive a greater damnation because they did those things without faith. And they're going to boast of those things. God forbid. He said, and it came to pass when Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrines, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I do pray that you would take heed to the word of God. Are you saying, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in the name, cast out devils, do many wonderful works? What are you going to say? Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Another place here, ye that work iniquity. What is the iniquity? Lawless. Did you obey God? Doesn't matter what works you've done. Have you obeyed the gospel of God? Have you obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? You can do all those works and never one time obey the gospel and die and go to hell and have greater damnation. Or you can come with repentance and believe the gospel. So why will they not believe the gospel? Because they've done their own works. They're relying on what they've done. They're relying on their great works of righteousness, which was seen of men. And they look at casting out devils and say, this is a great thing. I couldn't do this on my own. And yet they're not doing it on their own. They don't understand that they have power. They have help. It's like the man that preaches without faith. And we've seen two preachers 
under the ministry in the last five years. They said they got saved by the good grace of God. Two pastors, we've all seen a youth pastor, said he got saved by the good grace of God under the preaching of the word of God. We've seen many, many folks uh, that have gotten saved, preachers' wives, numerous preachers' wives over the years have gotten saved. And we've seen other folks in church just sitting on a church pew, happy, content, outwardly, seemingly, and all of a sudden the entrance of the word of God comes, and all of a sudden they're rattled to the core. They're shaken. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle this. This is something new to them. This is something unusual to them. And it bothers them great, and it ought to bother them great, because they don't have faith. They don't have God. Their house is built on the sand, and there's just no time bomb waiting to happen. You look at all those uh, coastal homes in Florida when this hurricane comes, and, and down the Carolinas, and all around the, the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic seaboard. What happens to them? They're built on the sand. There's no hope when a hurricane comes. They build them as strong as they can with the hurricane, hurricane regulations and everything else, and the waves come and the wind beats, and that house is gone. There's no help for it. Why is there no help for it? Because it was built on sand. And that's where people are. The trials of life come, and they renounce God. Hardship comes, they deny God. Trials come in their life, and they blame God. They're bitter with God, angry with God. They feel like God's let them down. Some folks that we deal with in the ministry, they're bitter against God. They say God won't save them. And yet he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And they're even lying on God, even as they say those words. But they don't see it as lying because that's their thinking. That's their reason. They believe they're just in what they're saying. And yet they're unjust. You don't sit there and wait for God to save you. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way you'll believe is when you're done with yourself, done with your ways, done with your sin, you come to repentance. That's what God requires of every sinner. They come to repentance. And when that sinner is done, God knows he's done. God's going to give him faith to believe. And I know that sounds Calvinistic to most. They say, well, that's not God's way. By grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? That's not your faith. He said, it is a gift of God. What? The faith of Jesus Christ, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship. How does my faith equate into that? And that's where people are at. They come with their faith. They come with their works. They come, they come with their hands filled with their ideals and their thoughts and their notions and their works. And they try like Cain and they come and lay them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And they say, is this enough? And he'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And yet that one that'll come and all he has is, is the fruit of his life. All he has is the workings of his life. All he has are the trappings of a life of a normal man. And he comes to Jesus Christ or rather than offer to him, he lays him at his feet as dung and says, these are dung. These are nothing to me. I need Jesus Christ more than anything else. And then so whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life, which I give freely. Have you come to that water of life and been born of God? There's an urgency pressed upon me in this message today, and I pray that you have the new birth. I pray that you have that evidence of salvation. Many, many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in that name? Did we not cast out devils? Did we not do many wonderful works? And what's he going to say? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to Turn to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. 
You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.